0: And roll brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday morning for me as I am recording this uh, following Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, following the Denver Nuggets win on Monday night over the Orlando Magic. Final score 121 uh, 111. This was not a surprising result, I don't think. Uh, this was a game where Denver's offense was clearly clicking, they knew what they had to do, and they knew exactly how much energy they had to expend in order to do it. And right before the All-Star break, you know that you're going to get some weird stuff happening. You know you're going to get teams that, whether they try or don't try, sometimes players are checked in, checked out, you just never know what you're going to get. And and we've seen this from the Nuggets and just from around the NBA uh, for so many years, that I'm not really surprised that the Orlando Magic, who were down, well, 22 points, 25 points at some, like at some point in this game, they were able to make it closer. They were able to string together some three pointers, some some free throws, some open shots at the rim, in a kind of a uh, meh quarter from the Nuggets in the fourth, where they allow 41 points. They do score 36, so it's not like Denver was really struggling from an offensive perspective at any point here. But there were just times, I think, where the Nuggets were able to uh, really put the pressure on on this Orlando Magic team. And it really started in the first half. It really started with the starters in that first stretch, where every starter was a double-digit positive in the first Quarter And you have to start out, of course, with Nikola Jokic, who I thought played pretty well, and I thought he distributed the ball reasonably well in that quarter. Uh, You found Bones Highland for some shots. You found Will Barton for some shots. You found Aaron Gordon, of course, but everything sort of comes down to Nikola Jokic in these games, and it wasn't his best game. It wasn't his best performance, but when you're the Nuggets and when you have the MVP on your side— Sometimes a 26, 15, and 7 game isn't like up to par because that's really the standard that Nikola Jokic has set so far this year. 10 of 26 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line, only got to the line three times, and I do think that there were some weird variants here where a lot of the shots that Nikola Jokic missed, um, as Sorry if you can hear that in the background. There's just a loud-ass car uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning uh, for whatever reason. Um, But Denver, they were able to go through Jokic a lot of these times. And and Jokic, he only only got to the line three times. Some of the misses that he had, the 16 missed shots that he had tonight, which are a lot. He doesn't usually miss that many shots ever, frankly. Some of those misses were because – Good God. <laughs> Some of the misses were because he was getting contact. There was a lot of non-calls, I think, that went against Nikola Jokic. He got blocked a couple times at the rim and he was bothered several times. Part of it was good defense by Wendell Carter Jr., who had a really nice game at 25-12-4 and four with two steals and a block. He, Wendell Carter Jr. was very good in this game, matching what Nikola Jokic did but i just think that he was able to get away with a lot where jokic only gets to the line 3 times is bothered consistently denver doesn't get the foul calls of in that situation that they probably should be getting and orlando where they are a team that's always playing from behind they were often given the benefit of the doubt tonight and it's just a it's a frustrating place to be for a superstar like jokic Uh, where he never gets the benefit of the doubt. But he had to fight through it, and he did fight through it, and hit a cash three at the end of the game uh, from the corner. That really kind of sealed the deal. The game was really kind of set pretty much when the starters came back in in the fourth quarter. I think the margin was about 12 at that point or something like that with about seven minutes left to go. And the margin quickly gets back up to 18 points after some good play from uh, Bones Highland, after some good play from Nikola Jokic. And then it was kind of just window dressing from there. But Jokic, this wasn't a B game. This wasn't a C game. This was probably a C minus game from him. Maybe a D plus game from him, which is fine. Because if you're getting a C minus game from Jokic and a win, that's great that's great. That's that's what you're looking for. He doesn't always have to be at his best because Denver needs him at his best when Denver's facing a tougher team. They didn't need his best tonight against Orlando. We will see what happens against Golden State on Wednesday. But another guy who I thought played pretty well tonight was Jeff Green. Uh, Missed a bunch of threes early in the game, was struggling to get those to go, but ultimately found a way to make an impact as a cutter and then as a floor spacer uh, getting to the line a little bit throughout the game and and was an important piece for Denver kind of settling things down where he was able to hit a big play. Uh, There were a couple times where he caused a timeout based off of a cut he had or multiple threes that he strung together. It wasn't the most efficient night from him where uh, he did have 17 points on 12 shots, shot two of seven from three. So he probably could be better there, but he got to the line four times, which is not something you normally see. And he was a plus nine. Like that's all I can really ask for from Jeff Green. Aaron Gordon, not a great game from him. The numbers definitely say, okay, only took six shots. Went two of three from the three-point line, grabbed six rebounds, three assists, whatnot. He turned the ball over five times, and I thought he, among others, was letting Franz Wagner and uh, Gary Harris kind of get back into the game and and make those role-player type plays that Gordon isn't necessarily in there to stop, like, like uh, Gary Harris stripped him of the ball at one point Caused a jump ball and then won the jump ball over a six foot eight Aaron Gordon. Uh, Gary Harris hit a couple threes and just made, was just a very large pest in this game in a lot of different ways with 15 points, six assists, four steals. And I thought that Gordon was one of the culprits there as to why that was happening, as to why that was occurring. But he ultimately had a nice dunk at the end of the game. Uh, had an off the dribble three out of a pick and roll with Nikola Jokic, where I think it was a no, 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 yes kind of shot because he made it. And those are the shots that you have to hit in games where, man, everything just seems to be going away from you, going the other team's way. You need to swing back the momentum. And sometimes it takes an Aaron Gordon off the dribble three. And you don't always have to count on those, but it's nice when they do come around every once in a while. So good for him for uh, coming up with that big play. Think that he needs to be better against the Golden State Warriors if the Nuggets are going to finish the pre-All-Star break schedule on a high note. Um, Bones Highland. Think he deserves a lot of credit for tonight. Did have three turnovers. I'm not going to... Uh, Just go out and say, oh man, he was perfect tonight. He wasn't. There was also a pass that was pretty funny where he was trying to hit uh, the weak side shooter out of the pick and roll, but he hit Nikola Jokic in the face uh, while trying to pass the ball. That's that's just a humorous play. It's nothing like major. It's a one-off thing that doesn't necessarily happen. I also understand from his perspective, if he doesn't think that Nikola Jokic is going to roll. And that he's more assuming that he will pop to the three-point line. So, Bones has had to step up in a lot of ways. And I wrote an article today about him, as well as Zeke Naji. Everybody should go check that out. It was a bunch of words. And I think that this experience for him, being in the starting lineup, uh, Zeke kind of being a guy who's a closer at various times, it has been good for both of those guys to get involved with Jokic ball. And you can see the chemistry that Jokic is starting to develop with Bones as Bones sets off ball screens for him, slips those screens as he circles back around to the three-point line or makes some good back cuts. And then um, on one of the Jeff Green trips to the free throw line, it was off of a Jokic uh, to Bones back cut where Bones is playing on on the perimeter. Yoke is waiting for him to move and to get open, and Bones sees that his man is overplaying him, so he back cuts, and then rather than try to force a contested layup, Bones finds a cutting Jeff Green to give him an opportunity to get to the free throw line as well. Uh, it's just a really good sign that Bones is starting to make some of these plays, and the shots are going to be there, like 4 of 7, 3 of 6 from 3, 14 points on 7 shot attempts, that's pretty good also had five rebounds, two assists and two steals. That's good. It wasn't the best passing game from him. And I do think that the turnovers are, you're going to have to start looking at those and see, okay, is this something that he can uh, knock down? Or is this something that's going to kind of stick with him for a while? And once you get that answer and once, once you feel like he's in a better position where he can consistently impact things positively, then he could probably be in a playoff rotation. I still think that he's probably on the outside looking in when Jamal does return, but I do think that Bones, from from what we've seen, he has had some tangible growth on both ends of the floor. And he had the highest plus minus on the team tonight just seems to figure things out when he's out there. And uh, Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs were his primary matchups on the floor tonight, and those guys combined for 25 points on 24 shots. So it's not like the time that he was out there, he was some sort of negative. He was contributing to positive basketball and outplayed other young guards. So that's a great sign. That is a great sign to me. Will Barton definitely deserves some credit for tonight too. 17 points on 11 shots, got to the free throw line five times, seven rebounds, didn't have any assists, but only had one turnover. So it wasn't like, I don't think he was in a situation where he had to pass the ball a ton. He was more in a situation where kind of like a Zeke Naji or a, I don't know, Jamichael Green or somebody like that, where they're more play finishers. And Michael Porter is a good example. Like a play finisher is somebody who the ball finds them, and then they take advantage of the advantage that has been created for them and then take the residual shot. That's kind of how it felt like with Barton tonight. He wasn't the biggest priority in the game plan, wasn't necessarily the guy who handled the ball a ton. And I think that there are times where I'd I'd probably raise my eyebrow a little bit on some of the things that he did, but there was a nice back cut play that he had on an out of bounds play with Jokic where he got the ball to yoke, and then immediately cut back under the basket. Uh, It's just plays like that. The nuances that I think go underlooked by a lot of folks. But he is creating good, efficient plays. 17 points on 11 field goal attempts, 6 of 11 from the field, is really good. That is good, efficient basketball. And he consistently contributes to that for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, the bench unit, as, as you all know. But first, this podcast, as you know, it is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am always excited to be a major part of the DraftKings family. And though the Super Bowl has just wrapped up, we now are the sports betting partner of the NBA and they have some deals that are so good that they're too good to pass up. I'm talking about Between the Legs 360 windmill good. As you know, the dunk contests, they're coming up soon. You're gonna probably see some of those from all of the dunk contest contributors. And if you're if you know it's good for you, as a DraftKings customer, new customers, they can bet just one dollar on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It is that simple. And DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with new same-game parlays, where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more you win. Unfortunately, tonight, I did not win because the DraftKings over-under, um, or not over-under, the spread on the Nuggets game was minus 11.5, and Denver one by 10. Or no, it was minus 10.5, and Denver won by 10. So I bet the Nuggets line and it just didn't work, but I was so close and that was off of a free bet that I received from DraftKings for a previous, previous promotion. So I was basically able to turn free money into an opportunity to go bet on something tangible, go get some actual money. DraftKings takes care of you that way. They are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and make sure to use promo code MHS when you do. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call one 800 4,700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, folks, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe. All I wanted for Valentine's Day this year, Uh, not love, not anything like that. I just want a five-star review. That would be fantastic if you could do that on Apple Podcasts. Those really help me out, and it shows that people are listening, shows that people care. So if we could get a new one of those at some point, that would be so, so cool. All right, let's talk about the bench. Let's talk about what was a pretty up and down uh, unit that I thought it felt like it was more up than down for most of the game. Let me read out the plus minuses here. Jamichael Green, uh, net neutral. Demarcus Cousins, plus three. Faku Kompazo, minus three. Austin Rivers, plus two. Bryn Forbes, plus one. So it was basically even. In their time, like if you if you want to go strictly by cousins' minutes when Jokic is off the floor, then it was a plus three. So there is something to it. That look, Demarcus Cousins seven and zero in games that he has played. Now you're playing Orlando, you're playing the Pistons twice, you're playing uh, Brooklyn twice, you're playing just just some crappy teams while he's out there. So I'm not here to carry water for Demarcus Cousins but it does seem like the rest of the bench performs reasonably well when he's on the floor. And that's just a great sign for a bench that has really struggled at times to find their identity, struggled to find something that they can center themselves around. And it's notable that it's a center, that it's a big boy who dunked very, very hard today. Uh, It was really cool to see him get up. He got there in the pick and roll. Uh, caught the pass from Faku Camposo on the move, and then absolutely slammed the ball down uh, to the tune of some cheers from Ball Arena, some really emphatic cheers. And I love to see that. There, there were cheers from the sideline, there were cheers from the stands, but mostly the Nuggets team is very clearly in DeMarcus Cousins' corner. And it's nice to see that from a group that has really... Like they they love to support each other. I think that that's been pretty clear during the Nikola Jokic era. It's that he has brought about such a tenor of unselfishness, just getting the job done, whatever the job is. Whoever's doing the thing, who's ever scoring the points, it's more about the team winning than about who scores. It's great team basketball, and so it was nice to see. DeMarcus Cousins contribute to that and and finally do so in a way where he's hitting the shots under the rim. He made a really nice move in the post today. He was on a switch. It was against, I think, either Shuma Okiki or Admiral Schofield, one of the two, but it wasn't against Robin Lopez, who was out there for the first eight or his eight minute stint. Um, Cousins did a really nice job in in the post where he made a nice move. Uh, He spun baseline and then had an up fake and then stepped through for an easy layup. Uh, You like to see him finishing those plays because he hadn't been finishing them before. And then he gets that big dunk. Looks pretty good. He was only one of four from the three-point line tonight, but the threes that he took I thought were decent. I didn't think that they were bad. He did have three turnovers today. And I do think that that's an important uh, factor when thinking about who he is as a player. He's going to be some, there's going to be some high mistake plays. And I do think that that's one of the reasons why the plus minus wasn't plus seven or plus 10 or anything like that. He's going to have to cut down on some of the mistakes. There's an offensive foul in there. Uh, There was a, there were a couple of bad fouls. On the defensive end, one of them actually wasn't bad. One of them was. But one of them was just him challenging a shot. And I thought he did a really good job of challenging that shot. And the refs just called him for it anyway. I thought that the calls were pretty one-sided tonight, to be honest. I know that the the stats don't really back that up. Don't get me wrong. But just being in the arena felt very one-sided. But it is what it is. Denver got the win. And you really start to see what DeMarcus Cousins can be with this team when he's on the move, when he's playing next to Jermichael Green. Cousins only had five rebounds tonight in comparison to the gargantuan numbers that he normally puts up there. But Jermichael Green had seven, including four offensive rebounds tonight. He was a beast on the offensive glass, doing everything that he could to make life hell for the Orlando Magic in the second pay, in the second chance points and the points in the paint categories did a really nice job of taking advantage of the high-low between him and DeMarcus Cousins, where one of those guys would be up top, one of those guys would be down low, and they'd really bash each other or bash the Orlando Magic into the ground in a lot of those cases. And it was with screen setting, it was with rebounding, it was with fighting on defense and positioning and whatnot, but it was a very physical game from those two. And it was nice to see them really find that rhythm where that can be their identity when those two are on the court. They're kind of like the bash bros, like just having the ability to set screens to free up guys like Bryn Forbes, uh, free up guys like Vaca Compasso, and then take advantage of Of the offensive glass when there are so many other players out there that are smaller that are going to space the floor a little bit better, but those guys can absolutely take advantage. So hopefully they do. Hopefully they continue to find that rhythm. Uh, But Bryn Forbes is the next guy that I want to talk about. 16 points, two assists, one turnover, five of seven from the field, three of four from three, three of three from the line. A really efficient night from Bryn Forbes. This is what you want him for. This is what you got him for, where he can absolutely take advantage of the open space that he's given by those open screens. There was a really nice play tonight where Forbes caught the ball kind of at the uh, near next to the break of the three point line on the left side, not quite in the corner, not quite on the wing, but at the break of the elbow, not the elbow, kind of the extended elbow. But he was right there, passed the ball to Jermichael Green, who had a little bit of a lane on the inside. But Jermichael Green didn't even look at the rim. He waited for Brent Forbes to relocate to the deeper corner, in the the left corner. Freed himself up for an open three. Jermichael Green pitched it back to him like a Steph curry Draymond Green play. And Brent Forbes hit the shot. Caused a timeout, if I'm not mistaken. So I do like seeing Those kinds of plays were those two taking advantage of the skill set of one of the players. Where Forbes knows that he's a fantastic shooter, doesn't necessarily need to prove that with a guy in his face. He can relocate, reset, find himself a better shot, and then take that shot. Just looks really impressive. Also had some really impressive off-the-dribble shots in the first quarter, first half. I think there were three of them in total where he just looks great going off the dribble. And that's not something that I expected. I I really did not expect Forbes to be as good of an off the dribble shooter as he has proven to be, but he's finding a rhythm with Denver. And perhaps it's because he's finding a rhythm against the Orlando Magic, but it sort of seems like he's trending in the right direction. And I like to see that. I like to see one of Denver's contributors that they trade for find some success. and it, it feels like he is finding his role within this Nuggets team. Now, this is great right before the All-Star break. You're hopeful that that continues. But what I will say is that there's another potential opportunity for Denver to be upsetting the apple cart, so to speak, when other players come back and the lineups certain rotations are going to change drastically again. So take this for a good thing that it is. Uh, don't necessarily hate on the fact that it may not happen again, because Denver may not have another opportunity to really establish firm chemistry with the bench again. So we are going to see about that. Uh, but Faku Kompazo, another guy who I thought he was fine. I thought there were a number of times tonight where he probably could have been better. Probably could have made a better decision whether it was on the defensive end or the offensive end or whatnot, but uh, five points for him, one of three from three, two of two from the line. Did have five assists to zero turnovers. That's a good sign, as always. Did a little bit of grifting against uh, Wendell Carter Jr., against uh, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, guys like that. It's funny. I didn't even see Terrence Ross out there. Terrence Ross, zero of zero. In this game for 20 minutes in 20 minutes, he didn't take a shot. Usually he's a guy who is a very important piece of what the magic do off the bench. But it was Gary Harris tonight who was really taking advantage of those opportunities. So that's pretty fascinating that um, things just completely changed on their head there. But it was nice to see uh, Faka Compasso. Was not a problem tonight. He wasn't really like the straw that stirred the drink or anything like that. I thought that it was more Boogie who was doing that than anything else. But uh, good to see Faku putting players in position to succeed, and those guys did. Finally, Austin Rivers. Um, I couldn't really tell you anything that Austin Rivers did today. Like it was just just very funny. Like very unassuming game from him. Zero points, zero of three from the field. 0 of one from three. Two rebounds, two assists, two steals, two turnovers. I couldn't, I I couldn't tell you any of those plays that happened. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. He is clearly the fifth option in a lot of these constructs, where Denver's often going to find their big guys, and Faku Campazo is going to be the facilitator, and Bryn Forbes is going to be the outside shooter. Rivers is kind of the connector. And I wonder if that's a role that's best suited for him or if that's suited for a guy like Davon Reed a little bit better. But he really is doing not a lot while he's out there. I don't want to minimize what he's doing. Like, maybe he's the reason why Terrence Ross didn't shoot. It's very possible. I don't want to, like, berate him or anything for that. Like, he deserves the credit for helping the team be successful in his minutes. I don't want to minimize that. So good for him. Good on him. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, something that Michael Malone said post-game today about complacency. We'll be right back. All right, folks. Welcome back. Final segment, pick, action, roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, let's get into the final segment here. And I do want to uh, let's just go over one thing that Michael Malone said post game because he wasn't really happy. He was he was pretty disappointed in Denver's overall level of effort and execution. It's pretty clear that he's getting pretty annoyed that this is a thing that Denver has to deal with, where they get up. 20, 22, 25 points, and ultimately that lead can disappear in a blink of an eye. And it's tough because a lot of that starts with the bench unit, and he did say that today. Uh, A lot of that is just kind of a level of complacency where Denver feels comfortable when they get up into those situations and doesn't really realize that a lead can disappear in a blink of an eye. You would think that they would learn. You would think that there would be enough situations where they go up by double digits and then lose. I don't know if they lead the NBA in that mark, but I do think that they're close, where you get up because you're so successful in the first half and then so bad in the second half that you kind of just completely miss the boat. And he was very concerned, or at least maybe very concerned is the wrong thing, but He's displaying an outward level of concern for the complacency uh, for the second units and just how inconsistent it has been, not necessarily from the, the play, although that is true, but more just from the players that are out there. I, I mentioned this in the last segment, but you have Bones kind of leading the charge on the second unit going forward now that... Uh, Monte is the starter, but Monte's been in concussion protocol lately, so Bones has been elevated, and Faku is still back in there, and now it's going to be tough for Michael Malone to bench Faku once Monte comes back, and Jamal is out there on the horizon at some point, and you traded for Bryn Forbes, and Davon Reed has been better than Austin Rivers, and there's just so many things. Oh, and by the way, Demarcus Cousins, his old flame, uh, his old like best player that he had on his previous team. Is now on the roster and is somebody who probably going to play over Jermichael Green or hell, maybe over Zeke Nashi at times. So I do think that the Nuggets are right now in a very tenuous position where their bench unit has just been a complete and utter mess throughout the entire year. You can, you can say that their starting unit, Monte, Barton, Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. That's been their rock. That's been the unit that has delivered more often than not. They're one of the best units in the NBA. They're often a plus nine, plus 10 every single game. And it's on the bench most of the time to make up the difference or at least not lose the difference. Where if you can stay above a minus nine or a minus eight or however, then you're usually going to be okay. But I do think it is tough for this team in general, because so often the bench has stretches like they did tonight, where they play well in the first half. They figure out some things. They do pretty well. And then in the third quarter, they go on a pretty solid run, get the game up to a 20 to 22 point margin. And then in a flash, an absolute flash, it's down to 15 again. Because you get a turnover. You get free throws. You get a missed call by a ref. You get a technical on Austin Rivers. And you get an and one. Or whatnot. Or an open three. Or there's just so many different ways that that lead can kind of disappear. That when the the starters come back in. They're in a tougher spot than they would have been. I also think that. Nikola Jokic sometimes. I don't know if he pushes the right buttons all the time. And this is me talking like I know something, like, like oh man, I must know more than Nikola Jokic about how he plays the game of basketball. No, I'm not really saying that, but this is just an observation of mine that I've had, that it seems like sometimes at the beginning of third quarters, where Denver is up, you want him to put the game away, you want him to take what is a 15-point lead, and turn it into a 25-point lead as soon as possible. Sometimes that happens, and sometimes it's because of Nikola Jokic. Sometimes Nikola Jokic goes a full six minutes without taking a shot or then standing on the perimeter, not really crossing the free-throw line at any time, and Denver at times can get away from what makes them who they are which is a Nikola Jokic-led and Nikola Jokic-driven team. If he takes his foot off the gas, then it is often a symbol to the rest of the team that it is okay to take their foot off the gas. It's why when he plays so well and plays so hard that the team often rallies around him and Denver can blow teams out unfortunately, he is one man. He has had to do so much for this team that he often has to torque down at various points throughout a game just to manage his load, just to manage his minutes, his energy levels. And when you go large stretches of time at various points, I'm not saying that that's what happened tonight because he shot the ball 26 times. I think he got a bad whistle. And that's mostly the reason why he struggled. But he also kind of didn't necessarily take the right shots at the right time. He was adamant tonight about getting the three-point shot to go. And he made like, what, three of 10, three of nine, something like that. He also had several moments tonight where he was driving to the lane and put a shot up off the glass so that he could try to rebound it, so that he could put himself into a better situation to grab a rebound and then score. I'm not saying that that's not a great idea, but I do think that there are times where he needs to focus on drawing contact or needs to focus on uh, making the shot, and he does that a lot. I'm, not, I'm really, really not trying to nitpick the MVP here, but there is a reason why Denver loses focus. They take on the mentality of their best player, and sometimes Nikola Jokic loses focus It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of life here. So when Yoke plays well and when he stays focused and locked in, then the team is going to thrive. When he takes a playoff, when he says, hey, I'm going to get 26 16 and 7 anyway, why do I need to lock this down in the fourth or in the third quarter? then it allows teams to come back. It allows teams to put themselves into position where you F around and find out. I think that's what Denver is. That's just who they are right now. They are a talented team that becomes supremely talented when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter come back. But even without them, there's some very talented players on this roster. The problem is the consistency. But I do think that there is some talent to it as well, especially when you start taking away other players. When you take away Murray, the talent level is still okay against most teams. When you take away Porter, the talent level is still perfectly reasonable against teams that are outside the playoff picture or the teams that are in the play-in, the teams that are, in the, are outside the playoff picture. There's a group of 18 teams there that Denver's perfectly fine against. It's the teams above that threshold that Denver's always going to struggle with because I just don't think that they have the amount of talent to really fully put their foot down when you've got like, man, Monte Morris is out tonight. Zeke Naji's out tonight on top of Jamal and Mike, Michael Porter. It's a tough place to be. Right now, Denver's full game net rating is is plus 2.1. Their first half net rating is plus 7.2. That ranks fifth in the NBA. The full game ranks 11th. Their second half net rating is minus 3.4, which is 24th. Michael Malone said today that the numbers don't lie. That I, I asked him if he thought that this was a complacent team, and he said, I think that's reasonable, basically. He was like, I can't really refute that it's just funny, man. Like He wants to be the coach that coaches the team that gets every little detail right. That when they have the details down, they become unbeatable. He wants to be the Phoenix Suns. He wants to be the machine that just cooks opposing teams because even if they have requisite talent, like the Golden State Warriors, like the Memphis Grizzlies, like the Milwaukee Bucks or whatnot, the Suns just beat you and bash you with pristine precision for an entire 48 minutes. And it's why they win. They take your weakness, whichever point it is, the six-minute mark in the first quarter, the nine-minute mark in the second quarter, the three-minute mark in the third quarter, or in clutch time, and they just dig right in. They find those runs. They help you kill you by never losing focus. Denver loses focus. They lose focus all the time. And you're always going to be at the mercy of another team's 7-0 run, 13-0 run, 21-2 run, whatever it is. You are always going to be at their mercy if you don't lock in. And it's hard to lock in. It's hard to lock in without Jamal Hard to lock in without Mike. Hard to lock in when the all-star break is right around the corner. I get it. But that's just where we're at. That's just where we're at with this team. And they've clearly shown that they have the talent to be a good team. But they don't have the mental makeup to be a great one right now. Because great teams find a way to blow other teams out. Denver's mark in 10-point wins this year. Or 10 point games is 16 and 14. In three point games, they're 7 and 2. Their their record in the close games is generally fairly good. They know what they're doing. Against the below 500 teams, they're 22 and 6. Most of these teams don't stand a chance against Denver if they're sub 500. But it's the 500 and above teams with the talent to kind of match what Denver does, even though they have the MVP, where Denver is 10 and 19. They've nearly lost double the amount of games against the plus 500 teams as they've won. And that shows a lack of talent. It shows a lack of playoff level execution. And I think Michael Malone is concerned heading into the all-star break, this last game of the the pre-all-star schedule. I do think that that's one of his biggest concerns is that despite the fact that Denver has not had like they have had uh, this year a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of opportunity with Monte Morris healthy, with Will Barton healthy, with Aaron Gordon healthy, they've had a lot of time to mix and match lineup with those guys, with the second unit if they wanted to, to see what if it would work. They haven't done that, and I think the reason why they haven't done that is because they know that they're going to upset the apple Card anyway when Jamal and MPJ do come back. I am very curious as to why they haven't tried more staggering. I think it's probably more of a minutes thing for everybody. They aren't trying to overload anyone from a minutes perspective. That's why they've rested Aaron Gordon. It's why they've rested Nicole Jokic. They aren't trying to play everybody a whole bunch of minutes before they have to. And that's probably a good idea because despite the fact that they haven't developed those playoff caliber habits, if Jamal and Porter do come back, Denver is in a six seed spot right now, two games above the play-in over the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they have an opportunity to really put some distance between themselves and Minnesota going forward because they have a much easier schedule going forward than just about any other team in the NBA. But it would be great if they could get themselves and steal themselves a win heading into the All-Star break against a better team in Golden State that has a lot more momentum given that they've gotten Klay Thompson back that he's played pretty well they just beat the Los Angeles Lakers, whatnot. They have a lot of momentum. Can Denver capitalize on what is usually a bad spot for opposing teams? I am very curious. We will just have to see. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on this podcast on Valentine's Day, as you know. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will talk to you guys very soon.